I'm going to ask you to take God's word in your hands and turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're in a series that we've entitled Landmines, and we're trying to uh, understand and disarm uh, the landmines that uh, our world has. And the Bible speaks to these different landmines that go on, and there's myriads of them that can cause us great sorrow and great pain and great difficulty in life if we don't disarm them in proper ways. And this morning, because it's being Mother's Day, I want to focus in on a landmine that I think is a landmine that many ladies find themselves struggling with. And I do so with a bit of fear and trepidation, because what I'm saying is, is that this is uh, something that uh, can be of concern to the ladies in our midst. But I want you to know that anxiety is something that all of us can struggle with. But one recent a study was given about the American Medical Association, and it said the following with regards to this issue. It said, while men can be anxious and struggle with anxiety at times, studies tell us overwhelmingly that from the time a girl reaches puberty until about the age of 50, she is three times as likely to struggle with anxiety as would a man. And so there's this issue, there's this landmine that inevitably strikes at it. Now, that doesn't mean that all women will have anxiety or, or no men will have anxiety. I would link it very similarly uh, to the issue of lust that we talk about in the church. It's a guy issue. It's usually labeled as a guy thing. That doesn't mean women don't struggle with lust, but it's an issue that for some reason in our culture, uh, it has a prevalency amongst one gender over the other. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk uh, primarily to the women in our congregation, but recognizing and knowing that all of us can take what God's word is going to say on this subject of anxiety and can begin to use it if we will listen and submit ourselves to it to bring great uh, help and solace and peace in our anxious times and moments. But I want to remind you of something before I even read the text today, that with each of these topics that we're addressing, I have no ability to address all of the contingencies and all the scenarios and situations uh, that each topic addresses. So when I'm talking about anxiety, I recognize that I'm speaking in generalities. I recognize that I'm speaking to a very large group of individuals who have varied levels of anxiety, varied reasons for anxiety, and I'm going to try to talk through each of those, but I want you to know I do not presume upon myself the ability to speak to your particular situation. And so what I would really encourage you to do is take what I say, and then ask God and ask those closest to you and, and you to investigate and discern for you how to apply what my words have to say and what God's word has to say to your particular life. Because if we don't do that discernment well, we might misapply and mis, uh, mistake what is said and, and believe things about ourselves or assume things about ourselves that won't be very helpful. And I'll explain that in a moment. The other thing I want to explain is that I do this and I speak to this subject matter as I have with each of the landmines, not with judgment, but with love sincerity, and a deep and immense compassion for those that struggle with this. Anxiety is an issue that impacts far too many people today, and my hope is that in some small way, through the teaching of God's Word, that we can find some relief through the promises of God and His Word as a result of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, grab the Pew Bible in front of you. You can find our passage on page 811. I'm going to read Acts, uh, Acts, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 25 uh, through verse uh, 34. So let me read this for us. This is Jesus talking. This is taking place on a Sermon on the Mount. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single span or single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and again, we just thank you for the role that the women of this church play in our lives. Lord, I pray that we will show our gratitude and our thanksgiving for them and what they mean to us, not simply on one day, but each and every day. Um, Lord, we're a better church and we're better people because of them. But now, Lord, I pray that what we're going to talk about, which is a touchy subject, one that impacts far uh, too many people in our world today, that it would be done with grace and truth, and that, Lord, uh, we might be able to walk away as anxious people, as worrisome people, we may be able to walk away with uh, some level of peace that only you can provide. So I ask that you'd speak through me in a powerful way this morning, and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Well, as we search and look at this subject matter of anxiety, we're going to do three things this morning. My first point is by far my longest, so don't worry about that. We'll get out of here uh, well before your lunch reservations with mom. But there are three things if we want to find the antidote for anxiety. And the first one is, is we need to identify our foe. We need to identify our foe. Like a good boxer, we're entering into this ring and, and we're uh, looking at the opponent across the way in the other corner. And the opponent before us is the opponent of anxiety and worry and concern and distress over the things that uh, we're uncertain about. And that opponent is a strong one. That opponent can wreak havoc in our lives, and, and we need to know who this opponent is and, and how to identify the strengths and weaknesses that we have in order to defeat the opponent that is before us. To do so, we need to know a little bit about the opponent. We need to understand who this opponent is. So let's look, first of all, at the definition. Let's look at the definition. Webster defines the idea of anxiety as the state of worry or uncertainty over actual or perceived problems. Now that's a good definition. That that helps us to understand some things. But the Bible seems to identify it a little bit deeper. When the Bible talks about worry and anxiety, it uses a Greek word that means to take thought of or to consider. And it's that second part of the definition that's important, to consider. That means that there's two things to consider. So when we are anxious, we are in the process of considering one of two things. And usually when the Bible talks about it, it's talking about real things or actual things and theoretical or hypothetical things that may happen in the future. And so we've got to consider through what is before us 
And therefore then, um, what might happen or the Murphy's law of things that what can go wrong will go wrong. The potential outcomes that can take place. And what this creates is a double-mindedness that we need to be aware of. And so what the Bible talks about, when it talks about anxiety, it tells us that we are double-minded. We are vacillating between two thoughts. What's before me and what could happen in the future. And the problem with that is the Bible says that when we are double-minded, we are unstable in all that we do. And if we are really honest with ourselves, the last time we were worried or anxious about something was probably a state of instability in our lives. We're wavering and, and being tossed to and fro of, of what's going on in our midst and the thoughts and concerns we have going on in our head. Now, Jesus has told us, in, in Matthew chapter uh, 6, that we cannot serve two masters, that we're going to love one and hate the other. Now, he was talking particularly about money, but that principle is true that if we are anxious, either we're going to love our anxiety or love the truth of where God has us. We can't vacillate between one or the other. We're going to choose one or the other. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, you need to choose me. You need to choose my kingdom so that your anxious thoughts don't run amok and ruin your life. It's a double-minded nature. Now notice the next thing that we need to understand. There are some disclaimers that we need to, to lay forth. Before we can get into what Jesus has to say, we got to ask the question, well, what kind of anxiety is Jesus talking about? And that word anxiety is an umbrella term that can be used for a lot of different people. What one person defines as anxiety in their life will look completely different than a person uh, next to them who's struggling with anxiety. But if that's the only word that we have, then we've got to create some modifiers to this idea of anxiety, or we will take what Jesus has to say and misapply it to a different sort or a different type of anxiety that we're dealing with. So let's look at four types of anxiety. There may be more, but I'm going to list them in this way, okay? The first anxiety that we have is one that I would call natural anxiety. And what that means is it's the feeling, the anxious feeling you have when confronted with a troubling situation. So I walk out to my car, uh, which is next to Bliss Woods, and all of a sudden, and go with this uh, illustration, a mountain lion comes out. Okay? Now in that moment, I wish I could tell you I would be fierce and strong. But I'm going to imagine as that uh, crouching mountain lion comes out from Bliss Woods, there's going to be some anxiety starting to fill my heart. Okay? That anxiety is a God-given anxiety. That anxiety is telling me, hey, big boy, you better start running because you're not as fast as he is. This is not a good situation. You need to get out of this situation as quickly as possible because you are in danger. And so this week, you're going to come into scenarios and situations where the heart's going to start beating very quickly, where the stomach's going to start churning and feel uneasy, where mind is going to start racing. And that's a good anxiety to have because what it's telling you is get out. Danger, Will Robinson. Run for your life. And God has created that switch to be turned off in our lives so that we flee from situations that could cause us great harm. This is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying, Tim, as you're about to get in your car and the mountain lion is about to pounce on you, don't be anxious about anything. All right, eat me. I'm going to stand right here and take my lumps. That's what Jesus said. Don't be anxious about anything. That's not what he's meaning. 
The second type of anxiety that we need to understand is what I call um, a natural consequence of sinful behavior. And so some here today find yourself anxious because you've done something unwise, you've done something in a disobedient way, and as a result of that, you're concerned about the natural outcome of what's going to take place. So, young person, you've gotten in trouble at school, or you've, you've failed the test, you've done something, and you know that you were supposed to study for the test, or keep your, uh, yourself out of trouble, and you know mom and dad are going to find out about it, and there's anxiety. There's fear, what's going to happen? There's a concern of reprisal that's going to take place. And you're anxious. And God's not saying don't be anxious about that. God's saying you should be anxious about that. You've created a scenario where the natural consequences of life are things you need to be worried about. You need to be concerned about. The reason why you feel troubled right now in life is because you've chosen, instead of following me or doing what you've been told, you've chose to go your own way. So let me explain it a little deeper. It's the man who or the woman who has been unfaithful to their spouse. And now they're concerned about their wife or, or husband finding out. They're concerned about what the family might say about it. They're concerned about all of this whole ugly situation that they've created. Anxiety in that situation, again, is a God-given one that says, listen, you've blown it. And now you're having to try to figure out how to extricate yourself from this situation. It's the gambler who's gambled all his money away and now is anxious. How am I going to pay the bill when the bank calls? This is a sinful anxiety because it comes from a place of sin. The third anxiety that we need to understand is the anxiety that we have. And this is the run of the mill anxiety. But this is primarily for believers. And this is where the believer knows the promises of God. That God will never leave them nor forsake them. That God is with them and God will provide for them and God will care for them. And that God has it all figured out. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And yet you worry about this, that, and the other thing of life. And God has said, no, listen, I will take care of that. You don't need to be concerned about those things. Those things are mine to worry about. And you say, no, God, either you're not doing it the way I want it, or I don't believe you're capable of doing it. I'm going to try to do it on my own. And now you're juggling all of these different things, and you're anxious. What happens when the ball starts to fall to the ground? What am I going to do when I grow tired? I can't keep juggling these things. And I will tell you, most of us are dealing with that. We're dealing with the details of life that we've not given over to God and say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm going to be uh, willing to follow you wherever you want to go. Here's the only thing I know. I'm going to be obedient to you. And whatever comes my way, I'm going to know that it comes from the hand of a good, gracious, loving God, and I'm not going to worry about it. What Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6 is the second and third type of anxiety. Now, there's a fourth anxiety. And I want to be clear on this fourth anxiety because this is where right now, and I heard it in the first service, that people got really nervous. And they're like, well, wait a minute, Tim. Wait, wait a minute. There's another anxiety, right? I'm getting anxious. There's another anxiety. And there is. And we know from medicine and from uh, counselors, and this is something that plagues women far more than men, is that there is a physiological nature to anxiety and worry as well. 
And it's been seen, and I did some reading uh, on this, both from the Christian perspective and the non-Christian perspective, and there's real agreement with regards to this type of, uh, of it, uh, uh, anxiety. Number one, it seems, especially in women, that issues of uh, uh, hormones can create all kinds of anxiety and anxiousness as a result of uh, the, the moving of hormones that is not as, as common in men as it is women. A counselor, a woman counselor who is world-renowned, wrote in an article that has become the chief work of anxiety, said that one of the beliefs she has is not only physiological, she says there's no question that it's that, but there's something inherent with our being, and she's talking about women, the being a woman that causes for anxiety. And what she said is we are by nature smaller in status, we are weaker in our strength, and so women walk around in a perpetual concern and fear in a way men don't. Now, some time ago, I asked my wife, because she was in a, a situation that was unknown to her, and, and she said, well, I was a little nervous, I, I was a little fearful of what was going on. I said, honey, I've never asked you this, how often, and my wife is, you know, a much smaller person than I am, okay, and I said, how often are you afraid? And she says, probably more than I would ever want to admit. Situations, parking lots, and all of that. I'm always wondering who's around me and all of that. My wife doesn't struggle with deep-seated anxiety in that way, but she says, I'm always concerned about that. Guys, if we were really honest, when was the last time we were worried in a parking lot? When were we worried about that? And there's a vulnerability in women that we should cherish, that we should enjoy. And again, this is a generality. It doesn't mean all women are afraid in parking lots. But what I'm saying and what this this writer was saying was that there's something there that we need to be very careful with. Now, this fourth idea of anxiety is one that Jesus isn't addressing. What Jesus isn't addressing is if there are physiological reasons as to why you find yourself anxious, Jesus isn't saying like this jerk of a man and savior will stop doing it, right? It would be like me being, Jesus telling me, stop being six feet, three inches tall, you need to be 5'11". Cut that out. Well, I can't, God. You've, you've created me in this way. You've allowed my body to function this way. Jesus isn't saying to you like a jerk. He's not telling you to stop something that is a part of your physiology. And so what you're going to hear me say is a couple things. Number one, six in ten women in America right now, the American Medical Association is on anti-anxiety medication. Can I just tell you something in all love and say That's way too much. That's way too much. And part of the concern that I have is we're trying to have medicine do everything. Well, I can't tell the world how to do things, but I can speak with love and sincerity to the six out of ten women. Do we all, do all of those individuals need to be on medication? Probably not. And one of the concerns that I have in our society is that we turn, especially as Christians, to medication instead of the Lord. So what I'm not saying is throw out your medicine. Hear me out very clearly. What I'm asking you to do is to take a moment as a follower of Jesus Christ and ask the question, which anxiety am I dealing with? Because each of these anxieties can manifest themselves in very, very similar ways. And if you're having issues or or concerns of that and can't discern it, then I would say bring around people that you trust and people that you love and have your back and ask hard questions of yourself and ask them to, to speak into it so that you can make good and wise decisions. And if it's proper, then take the medication that God has so graciously given and do so without any guilt of any doubt that God is thinking less of you as a result. 
But be careful, my friends, and this is true of all of us with regards to any kind of medication. Listen very carefully. Medication deals with physiological issues, not spiritual ones. The answer to our spiritual issues is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Okay? And so we've got to be able to discern what are my concerns, what are my anxieties, because if you don't identify it, if you don't identify your foe in the right context, then you'll be fighting battles and never winning because you'll be fighting on the wrong battlefront. So look at those different ones and ask the question, which anxiety am I dealing with? Am I working with? Now, Jesus addresses anxiety type two and three. He deals with two and three. He deals with the natural consequence of sinful decisions. And he says, listen, you don't need to be anxious about the consequences that the mess brought you in because you can turn to me and in turning to me, you can find forgiveness, love, and compassion. So come to me and throw all of your weariness, all of your sins, all of your struggles on me and I will give you rest. I do not want you to be anxious about the sins and the failures you have. That's why I'm your savior. Give them to me. The second thing that Jesus wants us to do is to not be anxious about the details of our life when we should be relying and depending on him and him alone to be the one who will comfort us and care for us and nurture all of the things that we need in our lives that we worry about and are concerned about. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, a couple more quick disclaimers. Let's talk about some things. First of all, anxiety doesn't mean that we can't contemplate the future, okay? Or contemplate a decision. Uh, the King James Version of the Bible, which is a widely used Bible, in verse 34, throws us for a loop. Because it translates in that ancient text, it translates, do not be anxious about tomorrow. It says, take no thought of tomorrow, And many people have taken that translation of the the King James Version and said it is bad to plan. No, listen, it is altogether good for us to plan. And so you're sitting there saying, hey, I want to have a good retirement one day, and so I'm going to plan accordingly for 30 years down the road. That's not you being anxious about the future. That's you being wise. And the Bible talks over and over again how good and wise it is for you to think and to plan and to discern what is necessary for the future. In fact, God himself has been unfolding his plan since the beginning of time. In fact, in Galatians 4, 4, he says at just the right time and in just the right way, God sent his son to be born of a woman. God has a plan that he's unfolding. And he set it up and now he's watching it come to fruition and he calls us to do the same thing. The second thing that we need to understand is that anxiety isn't the same about the concern over the future. So right away you're sitting there going, wait a minute, Tim, you're telling me I can't be concerned about what my kids are going to do in a year or so. You're telling me I can't be concerned about, um, as a small business owner, I can't be concerned about the economic climate of tomorrow. I, I can't be concerned about who my kids are going to marry or, or, or what we're going to do, um, where we're going to live and what we're, what we're going to be a part of in the future. I can't be concerned about the important things of life. No, absolutely not. You should be concerned about those things. That is not anxiety. In fact, Jesus on the cross showed in his one of his final statements a statement of concern. You see, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been beaten badly. None of his disciples, except for the apostle John, is there to watch his last moments of life. But his mother Mary is there. 
And Jesus, while he's hung on the cross, speaks to Mary and to John. And he says to John, John, behold your mother. And to Mary, he says, Mary, behold your son. Now there's a problem there because John was not the son of Mary and Mary was not the mom of John. What is Jesus doing? Well, Jesus was, of course, the firstborn of Mary. And so he has concern. uh, Joseph is probably dead by now. We don't hear of any mention of Joseph later in Jesus' life. So he's probably passed away being an older man than Mary was at the time. And so Joseph's not there to care for the aging uh, woman Mary. And so Jesus says, I'm concerned for my mom. I'm concerned that she'll be taken care of. I'm concerned that her needs will be addressed. I'm concerned that she'll be alone. Jesus isn't anxious about anything. The God of the universe can't be anxious because if he's anxious about something, then he has ceased to be God. But he shows concern and he says, listen, John, take care of my mom. And mom, you do what John says and you, uh, you go with John knowing I'm giving my blessing that John is committing to taking care of you. It is not wrong. In fact, it is altogether right for us to be concerned about our kids, to be concerned about our marriage, to be concerned about our work. But what then, if those two things aren't anxiety, what is anxiety? Well, it's being conflicted. It's being conflicted. We talked about the double nature, double-minded nature of it and what it is is it's literally something that's pulling us to one way or another constantly wavering between two opinions in fact the latin word for anxiety literally means to strangle and if you want to know if your um, concern or contemplation of the future is starting to make your neck feel really really tight it's probably moved from right uh, thinking of the future and concern of the future to being anxiety, because it literally means to strangle, to suffocate someone. And so if you're feeling suffocated with regards to the concern you have about the details of life, you've probably moved from godly concern to ungodly anxiety. The second thing that it does is it means you find yourself being consumed. The idea of anxiety in the scripture, it's addressed 22 times in the Bible, the idea of anxiety. It is never spoken about in a positive light, not once. It's never like, hey, great work, you're anxious. Way to go, kid, that's awesome. It's always spoken of as something that is uh, reducing an individual from the wholeness that God desired for them. And so we need to recognize if we are being conflicted, if we are being consumed, then we've got a problem. And the devil loves this. The devil wants us to be worried and concerned to the point that we start to be conflicted and consumed, that we become disorientated. He wants us to become lost in our own thoughts of anxiety and worry. So we've got a choice, Jesus says. Jesus says you can either trust yourself or you can trust me. Now notice what he says, the Gentiles have made their decision, verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all, but you seek first the kingdom of God. And so the unbelieving world has said, listen, there's no God, and because there's no God, I'm on the hook. I'm the one who has to figure this out. I'm the one who's going to have to make everything work as it's supposed to because I can't rely on anyone else. It's all on me. 
But listen, Christian, the believer recognizes one truth the unbeliever doesn't. I don't have to rely on self. I have God. I don't have to worry about the things that God can take care of because God says he's got it taken care of and I can trust him. And that will mean we've got to encounter, notice the second point, we've got to encounter anxiety face to face. We've got to encounter it face to face. And we've got to be honest as followers, and I'm speaking to followers of Jesus Christ. Because as an unbeliever, you may be sitting there saying, yeah, I've got lots to worry about. And can I tell you something? You do. You have a ton to worry about. Because you have said in your heart there is no God. And if there is no God, there is no help, and might I add, no hope that things are going to turn out the way you want them to. Because it's on you. And so you better be on your game 24-7. You better be on your game 12 months out of the year. You better be on your game for the rest of your life because it will all depend on you. And when you start thinking about that, your family depends on you. And your marriage depends on you. And your job depends on you. And your health depends on you. And your emotional well-being depends on you. And your relationships depend on you. I'm already getting anxious because I know there's no way I can keep all of those balls in the air. But as a believer, all of those things the Bible says, let me worry about them, God says. You obey me and I'll take care of the rest. Oh, the great grace that comes when God's people recognize and live as if there is truly a God who loves them and cares for them. But here's what anxiety does. Notice anxiety causes us first to be unfaithful to that focus. It causes us to be unfaithful to that focus. Verse 33 says, Our job is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so our number one job is God and his kingdom. But what do we worry about? This is where we know we're moving into anxiety because the first part of the passage says, what do we worry about? We worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, or about our bodies, or what we'll wear, or about life. In verse 25, that word life is an all-inclusive phrase. We worry about every element of life. If it's a part of our lives, we're worried and anxious about it. And Jesus says, you don't need to worry about any of that stuff. What you need to worry about is one thing, and that is to seek me first and my kingdom. What kingdom, what does he mean by that? My agenda for you in this world. That's your number one goal. That's your number one focus. I tell kids all the time that being a kid, 18 and younger, is the easiest thing in the world, and they snicker. And I said, listen, here's why. Your mom and dad and the adults, they got a lot of things that the Bible says they've got to do. Tons of stuff. Hundreds of stuff. Do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Love this, don't love that. Lots of stuff in there. But for the kid in the house of mom and dad, one verse, obey mom and dad. Obey mom and dad. Obey them. The problem is, as young people, kids, you want to be adults. And so you disobey mom and dad, and disobey the authorities around you, and you get yourself in all kinds of trouble and pain and sorrow, and I will come back in all love and sincerity and, and compassion and say, you didn't do the one thing well. And instead, you traded the one easy thing for a million hard things. 
Now, let's not stay on kids too long. They're an easy target. I get it. But let's go to us now and our Heavenly Father. God has said, you've got to do one thing well in this world. Seek first me and my kingdom. And what do we do? I don't want to do that, God. So I'm going to go do all these other things. And we're over in this area, not seeking the kingdom of God, juggling all of these different things, exhausted, scared to death that we're going to drop one of them at any time and the pain and sorrow that's going to come. And we're out of breath and we're out of hope and we're hurting and we're dying and all of that. And God says, you only needed one ball. And that was to seek me first in my kingdom. And here's the problem. We choose the harder life over the one that God has for us. That's why Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's one thing. Seek me and my kingdom. And notice what he says. He doesn't say, and we'll figure it out. He says, and all the things you're worried about will be added to you. You worried about your life? I've got it covered. You're worried about your health? I've got it covered. You're worried about what you're going to eat? I've got it covered. You're worried about all these things? I've got it covered. Focus in on the one thing that I've called you to do, to seek first my kingdom. Notice the second thing. It makes us unfaithful to our focus. It is unnecessary. Anxiety is unnecessary because of our Father. Notice that the terminology that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 6 is one of father to children. Notice he says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father, I, if you underline in your Bible, underline that, because there's, some, there's a theme there. He takes care of them. Are you not of more value than them? The answer is yes, we're of more value than them. And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither, they, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father, underline that again, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he puts in all of these things that we're concerned about. And he puts two slices of heavenly bread on the uh, outside of that sandwich. So all of your concerns are there. And he says, but your heavenly father, but your heavenly father, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. As a Christian, you have a heavenly father in heaven who loves you who will never leave you nor forsake you, who is, is deeply concerned about you and is committed to you that he gave his one and only son to redeem you back to himself, who says that you reside in the palm of his hand, who says that he nothing can separate you from the love that he has in you, with you in Christ Jesus. And he's telling you all of this. You have this lovingly heavenly father, this loving heavenly father. But... Let me illustrate. My son, middle son Josh, great kid, he's now 13 years of age, but when he was much younger, and he's grown out of it, but when he was much younger, my son 
when he got hungry, he got angry. We called it hangry, okay? And some of you are smiling because you've got a kid that was like that. And I remember he was five or six years old, and we were on a long trip, and, and we were traveling, and Josh said, Dad, and it was really cute, Dad, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, son, we're going to be stopping soon. Don't worry about it. Uh, just, just enjoy the ride. Your dad's on it. Three or four minutes later, Dad, I'm hungry. My stomach's starting to hurt. I'm really hungry. It's growling. When are we going to stop? I said, son, I've got it planned. I know when we're going to stop. Hey, hang in there. I've got it taken care of. A minute later, Dad, Dad, don't you love us? We're so hungry back here. We're dying. We're starving. And I said, son, 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 I'm on it. I know exactly where we're going to stop. Everything is fine. Just hang in there. Don't worry about it. Your dad's on it. A minute later, dad, I used to love you. Dad, I used to think you were great. But I don't think you understand. I'm dying back here. I've got to eat. This is terrible. And I said, son, son, son. Listen, have you ever missed a meal? No. Are you concerned that you're going to go hungry? Not until today. (laughs) I said, son, we're going to stop and get something to eat. And you know what happened? Josh died of starvation that day. (laughs) No, Josh is here. He may even be in this service. I don't know. Josh is here, right? Is he here? Is Josh here? Noah's here. Noah, you're alive too. We fed you along the way. Okay? Let me illustrate something for you. We are Josh in the backseat of the car with God when we worry. God says, I've got it taken care of. You worrying about it can't add a single hour to your day. It's not yours. Listen to me, when we are anxious and when we worry, we do two things that we're incapable of doing. We worry about the future, which we have no control over, and then we worry about outcomes that we have no idea that may be coming our way. The future is neither ours, nor is it here. And so we enter in, and I want you to hear this so very carefully, with anxiety two and three, okay? The Christian lives as if there's no God... And therefore, you have to become God. Because you say, I don't have a God who's capable of dealing with this stuff. Whatever's concerning you, I can, a God can't deal with it. He's either too far away or unconcerned or unable to address what concerns me at this moment. Therefore, God, get off your throne. I will deal with this myself. I'll deal with it myself. And the problem is, we can't. So in your anxious moments, you have a heavenly father who loves you. That's something to laugh about. (laughs) Okay? That's awesome. Let me give you this passage. It will help you. 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 15. 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 15. In my anxious moments one night, and I was deeply anxious about all manner of things. I've I've got a lot of irons in the fire, as many of you do, and nothing was going the way it needed to, and I was just sitting there anxious. What about this? What about that? And my anxiety hits me late in the night. And I was anxious, and I opened the scriptures, and I don't know why I did, because I'm usually not that holy, but that day I did. And I opened the scriptures, and and I came upon, for whatever reason, and I can't remember why I did, but I came upon 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 15. It's David praising God. 
and he's praising God, and I remember these things coming out as bright as day to me, because in verses 11 through 15, David announces three things about our God. He tells us the following about our God. He says, number one, God owns everything. Number two, God is the ruler of everything. And number three, God is the provider of everything. And I began to read those things, and I said, I'm going to believe one of two things. Either I'm going to believe that to be true, those three statements, God's the owner, God is the ruler, and God is the provider of all things, including my life. He, he owns, rules, and provides for my life. I'm going to believe that, or I'm going to go on my own. And I was amazed, every one of the anxious thoughts that I had, when putting them next to that scripture, said, God said, I've got it under control. Go to bed, boy. You have nothing to worry about. Do you know that I care for you? Do you know that I love you? Do you know that I've got a cattle on a thousand hills? Do you know that I created the world out of the, the power of my words? Do you know, do you know, do you know? Do you know I know the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end? Do you know that all things are possible in, through Christ who gives you strength? Do you know that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus? Do you know nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Do you know that God loves us and paid a great price for us and that he will never leave us or forsake us do you know you have a heavenly father who loves you if you know that to be true you will not be anxious you will not worry because if God is for us who can be against us and so this is so important that in those anxious moments you don't focus in on it you focus it on him I'm turning it, I'm not going to, because you sit there, brothers and sisters, and you'll die. I die. But when I focus in on God in my times of struggle, my back stiffens up a little more, my head's held a little bit higher, and I said, I'm a child of the Most High God. Bring it, life, bring it, devil. Whatever you're going to throw my way, whatever I'm anxious about, bring it, because I've got the great I am behind me, and he says he'll be with me every step of the way. Finally, we've got to be careful because we can find that it is unreasonable because of our faith. It can be unreasonable because of our faith. The reason why Gentiles struggle with anxiety, Gentiles being unbelievers, is they don't have a God. We do. And we've got to put our faith and trust in it. We've got to depend on it. Because if we don't, we will be Christians who will turn away from the only answer we have and will turn to utter futility on our part. So how do we get there? I've got three or four minutes left. Let's finish this out. We must fight anxiety to prevent failure. How do we fight it? Well, we've got a God who loves us. He's given us gifts. He's given us abilities. How do we fight it? Number one, notice this. We need to declare a system of priorities. What's our priority? I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. I am going to declare to God and to everything I'm anxious about that God is going to be my focus. God is going to be my direction. God is going to be the one that I turn to. Not my anxiety, not my worry. I'm going to focus in on God and I'm going to do what He calls me to do. Number two. I'm going to develop a strategic program. This is where I want to focus the rest of our time. Verse 34 tells us two things. Notice what it says in the text. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for one day is its own troubles. Write these statements down. 
If you want to be freed from anxiety, don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. Don't dwell on tomorrow's stress. And then underneath that, Jesus says, don't, don't dwell on today's mess. Don't dwell on tomorrow's stress because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Good, bad, ugly, you have no idea. The answer to your prayer may be on Monday's door. Or the greatest trial you've ever experienced may be there on Tuesday. But you can't sit there. You can't dwell on that. Vance Havner put it this way. Anxiety is like being in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. And some of you are sitting in the rocking chair of anxiety and worry. And you're just busying yourself doing nothing. But we can't dwell on today's mess. Maybe today your life is a mess and garbage is is all around you. And you're sitting around being bogged down by the mess of today. Corey Temboom, who was chased down as a Jewish woman in uh, Nazi-occupied Europe, said the following about anxious thoughts and anxiety. She said, anxiety is an old man who carries around a load of feathers, believing them to be lead. She's carrying around a load of feathers, believing them to be lead. So let me ask you in closing, what feathers have you allowed to become lead in your life? What issues? What struggles? What concerns have you allowed to go from a healthy place to an unhealthy one? God has called us not to live that way. To not be anxious or filled with worry, but to be victorious. So what do we do? One final statement. Write this down and this is it. Be anxious about nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. Philippians 4, 4 through 6 says, Be anxious about nothing, but by everything, prayer and supplication, presenting your request to God. And God will give you and grant you the peace that transcends all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about that fall under those categories of anxiety two and three? Give them to the Lord. Present them to the Lord. Peter tells us to cast all our anxieties on Jesus because he cares for us. Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to throw that his way? And trusting that God loves you and has a great plan for you and will never leave you or forsake you until he calls you home. And even in that, we can be anxious about death, but Jesus says, listen, absent from the body, you're present with me. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be anxious about if we'll give it to the Lord.